Take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 12. We call this Palm Sunday. If you look on a calendar, it's going to say it's Palm Sunday. What does that really mean? You've just heard a dialogue, a dramatic dialogue, about a, an average person in the life and times of Jesus that was trying to figure out who Jesus really was. And on that Palm Sunday, there were literally thousands that came to begin the Feast of the Passover. As a matter of fact, Jerusalem would, would hold 150,000 people on such a day as this, preparing for the festival. People would come from all over and, and surround the city of Jerusalem. It's sometimes called the triumphant entry when Jesus entered on that Sunday and palm branches were waved and there were cries from the crowd. But the Sunday before Passover is called the Palm Sunday. It reflects uh, the cries of those who had witnessed or heard of the miracle power of Jesus. Just recently prior to that day was the resurrection of Lazarus and that had spread throughout the hillside in the country, talking of a man who could bring back the dead, even though they'd been dead three days and should certainly have been decaying by now, but was brought back to life. So powerful was this miracle that the religious leaders were trying to figure out a way to kill Lazarus again because of his testimony of being alive. And in this process, you find this crowd had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem and they didn't want to miss it. They sensed something special about this man, indescribable about him. And so they showed up. They would be waving palm branches. That's why it's called Palm Sunday. In Israeli life, in the life of the Jew, it was a symbol of, 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 of victory. And they were certainly hoping and praying to have victory over their enemies, especially the Roman Empire. They would crowd the streets to see Jesus. They would declare Hosanna and they would say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. He surely is from God. And, and they would declare him to be the king of the Jews. You need to understand what took place on this Palm Sunday. This crowd of literally thousands were, were, were basically declaring Jesus to take his place as king. To, they, were, they were calling for a revolution. And as we look at this, let's read what John has to say. Chapter 12, verse 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the, Jew, the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. They took palm branches, symbols of victory, and they went out to meet him. Men, they met him at the gate. They met him before he even got there. They began to celebrate and shout as he was moving his way through the street. Uh, they kept shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. They said other things as, as the other gospel record because there was a crowd that was saying whatever made them feel good about this man. They wanted to affirm this man, Jesus. And they were saying things that would be affirming and, and, and extolling of him. They would say, look, you, you know... The, the, the Messiah has come, the one that has been promised. And they're crying out persistently, consistently, 
all throughout the time that he's moving through the street, they are calling out as though they had just watched the, the winning shot at the March Madness in the final championship in basketball. They are ecstatic, enthusiastic, enthusiastic beyond description, uh, excited about all this taking place. They are in a frenzy about this man, Jesus, who had amazing power and spoke with great authority. And they said, Hosanna, save now is what Hosanna means, save now. Some would say, well, now, that's just a, a saying of kind of like, God, save him now. Or as some would say in England, God, save the queen. No, the context of the event speaks differently. These people were crying for a revolution because of their life and their desperation. This was a, desperate, this was a cry of desperation. Hosanna, save now, save us now. Our champion is here. Our warrior is here. Our king is here. Now we're going to overthrow Rome. This was the, this was the thing of the Jews for a long time. They had overthrown the yoke of the Greeks in that 400-year period between the Old Testament and the New. Uh, the Maccabees became very prominent in leadership of the Jewish life and nation. Judas Maccabeus revolted against Antiochus Epiphanes, who was uh, one of the generals who, who was trying to force pagan worship on Jewish people and Jewish life. He roasted a pig in the Holy of Holies. And Judas Maccabeus raised a, a revolution against him and won. And he would ride down the streets of Jerusalem on a, on a war horse and they would celebrate their freedom from the tyranny of the Greek Empire. And then came Rome. And Rome imposed its authority over the nation of Israel and the people of Israel. So they had been hoping and praying for a deliverer. And they had not seen anyone like this person, Jesus. They're crying out persistently all the time, calling for rescue. Save us now. They were confirming that Jesus was from God. And they were claiming him to be their king. The crowd cried desperately. Now, Jesus entered the city riding a donkey. It was a donkey that had been run. It was a, it was a, uh, a fold, uh, uh, and it was, it was not uh, an animal of war. It was an animal of peace, symbol of peace. While they were declaring him to take his place as king and overthrow Rome, he was coming as the prince of peace to make peace between a holy God and a sinful people. They didn't understand. Two thousand years have passed, and people still don't understand. You see, when they were crying, Hosanna, save us, save us, and they, it would echo up and down the streets, they were crying desperately for political salvation. Save us from the political regime that, and from the politics of the Roman Empire. And they would keep crying, Hosanna, save us, save us. Or save us from, the, they were saying, give us social deliverance 
from the prejudice we experience every day of our lives because we're Jews and called the people of God. Or save us from our economic depression. Save us. Be our life solution to our physical needs and our emotional needs. They didn't understand why he was marching through Jerusalem and why he was riding that donkey. They didn't understand why he was coming through. They misunderstood. They did not understand their need for spiritual rescue and salvation. Things haven't changed much, have they? For today, people cry out, save us from the political system. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. Guys, we have people believing and thinking that surely we'll be rescued by the Democrats or the Republicans or the Independents. Or the, listen, America has plunge so deep into immorality and spiritual darkness, the only hope of our salvation is the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a spiritual sickness that cannot be healed by a political party. And surely our hope would maybe be that if the economy would turn around, surely we would be better. No. Just more self-indulgent because we have a problem in our heart. We're saying the same things they did. God, save us from the problems we have and save us from our environment. Save us from our circumstance. Guys, Jesus came to save our soul from the wrath of God. To do something no one else could do for us that we cannot even do for ourselves. And yet they did not understand. They would cry out, take your place as king. And what started out as a triumphant entry became a tragic reality for these people because within the week, they would change their cry from Hosanna to crucifying. He's not who we, we thought he was. He can't do what we need to be done. And they were moved by the peer pressure of the religious leaders and they cried out for his crucifixion. I think about this, and I see the desperate cry from the crowd reveals the need for help. I, I, you see this. Uh, this is what's taking place. They're crying out, God, we need help. Today, we need help. But our desire for help is so superficial and so shallow. We need help on the inside, not on the outside. As you heard in that dramatic dialogue, Jesus cares about our inside. We're trying to figure out how to preserve the outside and save the outside. Our lifestyles and our own physical hopes and dreams. And we're hoping that a Savior would come. Guys, a Savior has come. He came 2,000 years ago to save us on the inside. To change us from the inside out. So I have this desperate cry from the crowd that reveals the need for help. 
But not only that, there's a divine cry from the cross that reveals the reality of hope. Two different cries. This is in John 19. Now, from Sunday to Friday, a lot's happened. Jesus would, in the middle of the week, would stop and cry over Jerusalem and weep because they would not respond to him as the Savior of their souls. It would break his heart. He would cleanse the temple of its hypocrisy and its heresy. He would have a final supper, the Passover, with his disciples. He would go pray in the garden. A most amazing prayer of submission and surrender and self-denial. He would be betrayed, arrested, and experience a mock trial in the unbelievable hours of a day that nobody should even be up. And they would find him guilty of blasphemy and presume to Pilate as one causing treason because he claimed to be king of the Jews. It isn't interesting that the crowd started out, take your place, be our king, you are the king of the Jews. To Pilate says, what you'll put over him is that he's the king of the Jews. That's his crime. And we look and we see this divine cry. It wasn't desperate. It was divine. That brings hope to the real need of every person that's ever been born. I look at this and I see it in, in John 19, verse 28. After this, after what? Well, after the grueling night he'd been through, the mock trial, the beating of the cat of nine tails, the soldiers making fun of him, the crown of thorns, the journey to the to Golgotha, the way to the cross. After this, the driving of his hands to the cross with nails and the agony he experienced for hours with each breath. After all this, in a weak physical state, he sees his John the disciple and his mother Mary and, and some others that were at the foot of the cross. And he takes care of them. He issues instructions. Almost with his last bit of energy. After this, the agony, the, um, the humiliation, the suffering, the shame. After all this, when Jesus knew that everything was now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled... He said, I'm thirsty. Now, he asked for a drink not to deaden the pain, as was the tradition of the, the, the sour wine. A jar full of sour wine was sitting there, so they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on hyssop, and they held it to his mouth. And he began to pull the moisture from that sponge. Guys, you need to let that 
image seeking. Here's, here's a man who is struggling to breathe, a loss of blood. His mouth is dry beyond description. Throat is parched. But he has something he wants to say. He's not looking for a way to lessen the pain. He'd been offered that before. He wasn't into that. He was, want, he was now wanting something to moisten his lips so that he could pull enough moisture and liquid from that sponge and, and begin to rinse his mouth and take a swallow that he could all of a sudden lubricate his vocal cords and lubricate his mouth and throat because he had something he wanted to be heard that he was about to speak. would be his last words on the cross. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. It is finished. It was not a moan of defeat or disappointment. It was not a mere resignation of imminent death. As he hung there, he would say, It is finished. An exclamation of a fully accomplished work he came to do. His task was now done. The sacrifice was complete. A holy God was satisfied. The blood that flowed from his head and his back and his hands and his feet was sufficient to accomplish its purpose. It is finished. When he de declared that, it was a shout of victory heard in the very halls of heaven. It was a shout of victory that was heard by every demon in hell. It is finished. <coughs> it was heard by those at the foot of the cross. The Roman soldiers, the disciple John, those standing around. And guys, it's still heard today when the Holy Spirit convicts you of your need of a Savior and he points to Jesus who died on the cross. And in that declaration, that exclamation of it is finished, it is a declaration that sin is forgivable for everyone, that heaven is offered to anyone, that sin had been totally and completely paid for in full. There's nothing that needs to be added. I can bring nothing to help in my payment for sin. I can offer nothing that would add to the great payment and the sufficiency of the cross that day 2,000 years ago. You see, it's not that I can now do something to add to that. I can go to church more. I can try harder. I can try to keep the Ten Commandments. I can try to practice the golden rule. Has no. None of that matters. Everything that was needed was done at the cross. To satisfy God's justice and holiness. Everything. There was nothing left for me to do. There's nothing left that I could possibly do. 
And that's why it's such a cry for hope, because in my own self, I cannot accomplish what I need to accomplish on my own. I cannot earn my way to heaven. But Jesus provided a way to heaven for me in the sacrifice of his life to bring forgiveness to my sins. It is finished, paid in full. From that cry, there is hope for guilt. There is hope for shame. There is hope that sin can be forgiven. And I can be saved. Hosanna, save us now. Save us now. That's what the cross was all about. That was the purpose of Christ's coming. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. There is hope. In a world that seems to have gone crazy and be on a course of self-destruction, there is hope. In a world where we may never see the life we all hoped for or envision, there's hope because Jesus wants to do something on the inside that lasts forever. Would you bow your heads with me?